Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you for joining me for worship today for Palm Sunday. Our order of service begins in the bulletin. We're going to open right now with hymn number 130, Hosanna, Loud Hosanna. sinned against you. 
and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this sixth Sunday in Lent for Palm Sunday is from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 12, a reading which does give us the prophecy of Palm Sunday. The Lord said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Alleluia. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Alleluia. 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 Our epistle reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, a reading in which we hear about our Savior's humbling himself to be our Savior and his exaltation because he had accomplished his work. Gets us to think about Palm Sunday, humbly coming in on a donkey, but yet at the same time, his majesty there riding into Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul wrote, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We'll continue with our next hymn, hymn number 341, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Thank you. 
the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this Palm Sunday is our Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Matthew writes, As Jesus and his disciples and followers approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who would our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow Christians who are following in the footsteps of our Savior, when a football team or a basketball team wants to enter into an arena or a stadium and really have an impressive entry, what might they do? They might have a laser light show, they might have smoke, and they might have fireworks. If an actor or an actress is parading into that award show ballroom, they often are marching in on that red carpet. If there's a new executive that's just having his first day on the job, what he's going to be concerned a little bit about is his entry into that office the first time. He'll want it to be an appropriate, probably impressive or grand entry. And so what he'll do is he'll make sure he's got the right kind of clothing, right kind of attire. He'll come with an air of confidence, not nervousness. He'll be holding his head up, straight posture, looking like he knows what he is doing. And now how you enter is important. Today, as we continue to look at our Savior's final steps as he was headed to the cross to suffer and die for us and to pay for all of our sins, 
And, well, as we look at his final steps, going on into Jerusalem to accomplish that work, well, we'll see that that was a day that was planned in eternity. That entry was planned in eternity and that grand and impressive entry that he made. But for an impressive entry into Jerusalem, who would have ever thought about him riding into Jerusalem on a lowly donkey like he did? When his final steps led to a donkey, there was no laser light show. There, were no, there was no smoke, no fireworks, nothing like that for our Savior. His final steps led to a donkey, and that was his impressive way to enter into Jerusalem, to enter into Jerusalem where he would fulfill every last one of the Lord's promises and where he'd show us what kind of king Jesus he would really be. Even though Jesus' entry into Jerusalem probably wasn't what, what we would have scripted or what we would have planned for his entry into Jerusalem, yet it still was a grand and an impressive entry. Matthew tells us that Jesus entered into Jerusalem the whole city was stirred up, asking, who is this? And the ancient historian Josephus, he tells us that, oh, the size of the whole city? At the time of the Passover celebration, that city could have swelled to two million people, is an estimate there. So word from Jesus, as it says, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, it spread so quickly that the entire city, some two million people maybe, noticed this right away. And now most advertising agencies would be absolutely thrilled with that kind of a turnout, with that kind of a uh, response to what was going on. And now, of course, it's not just those two million Christians today still celebrate Palm Sunday. We're doing it right now. We're celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And what we do is we rivet our attention on some of those details. For example, the massive crowds that it says were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them out on the road. They were spreading them out on the road to try to take care of the dust and the mud and oh, maybe the squishy stuff that could have been there on the road as all of those animals had to be paraded into the temple area for all of the sacrifices that were being made. But this Palm Sunday, we're not going to focus on those palm branches really and and after all, if you think about it, that day, instead of being called Palm Sunday, it could have been called Outer Cloak or Coat Sunday because, well, Matthew informs us, he says, a very large crowd spread their outer clothing on the road. And how many thousands, maybe, of those religious pilgrims were willing to 
give our Savior the shirt or the coat off their backs. And why? Well, it was to show their love and their respect for the Son of David, the one that they would have recognized as the one to whom they were shouting their hosannas. But now, what kind of a king, what kind of a king would, hoping to make a grand entrance like this, would give these instructions to two of his disciples? He, he, Jesus said, well, it says in Matthew, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples telling them, go to the village ahead of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied there along with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. Scripture informs us that Jesus and his disciples had basically spent the last week in, in Bethany. No doubt, probably at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But now it was time for Jesus to make his final steps to the cross, to Jerusalem, to go to Jerusalem and then to go up to and over the Mount of Olives and, and get this panoramic, panoramic view of Jerusalem where he would see the crowds of people and he would mourn over the fact that, well, he wanted to be there for them, but so many of those people would reject him just like is the case today. Well, but first, those two disciples, they were going to make an important side trip to Bethphage, and that was a little village that, maybe inconsequential village that we probably know nothing about except for the fact that it was where Jesus told those two disciples They'd find a donkey and it's cold or cold. And when they found the donkey and the colt, it says they were to untie them and bring them to Jesus. And now if you just think about this, strangers shouldn't just march onto your property and un up to a donkey and then take that donkey and tie it from you're untie it and, and basically steal it. That donkey probably there at the front door of the people's homes waiting for the next trip to go to the village market or something like that. But here what happened is that they were to go in and take that donkey. But there was no donkey stealing that was going on at this point in time. There was no donkey that was being stolen on, on Palm Sunday. Because actually, if you think about it, that donkey and the colt, they belonged to the Savior. A thousand years earlier, the psalmist Asaph, serving as the Lord's mouthpiece, he, he was inspired to write these words from the Lord. I do not need to take a bull from your barn or goats from your pens because every animal in the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand mountains. And that's why Jesus added, if anyone says anything to you, you are to say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. 
And see now, that's how it happened. There was no fuss about those two disciples coming and taking the donkey and its colt. Instead, they freely gave these animals to the rightful owner of them in the first place. This rightful owner who had this divine vision to tell those disciples just exactly where they'd find these animals. But now, let's pause here for a moment and make a side application to this. And I pray that you and I would handle all of our earthly possessions in the same way in which the owner of the donkeys handled their possessions. Recognizing, well, the donkey owners, they were just managers, stewards of the animals that God had given them in the first place. And that's the case for us as well. We're just stewards, managers of what God gives to us because, well, Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything that fills it, the world and all who live in it, because he founded it on the seas and he established it on the rivers. Jesus' final steps, that they led to a donkey, and it, well, actually to two donkeys, we'd say. And now it had to be that way to fulfill every last detail of Scripture, every one of God's promises. Matthew makes sure we catch that when he adds, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew seems to be giving us what maybe we could call a two-for-one prophecy fulfillment here because when we look at this section, and the first was a prophecy from Isaiah some 700 years before this, in which he said, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your salvation is coming. And the second prophecy, when the prophet Zechariah noticed the particular type of animal that Jesus would be riding when he entered into Jerusalem, he said, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and brings salvation. He is humble and is riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And now see, a lowly donkey was needed on Palm Sunday to let, well, the daughter of Jerusalem, it's the daughter of Zion, it says here, the Jewish people, to let them know that Jesus was the promised one who was riding into Jerusalem and he was coming to bring them salvation. And now what more important gift could, could Jesus the Savior ever bring? His gift of bringing salvation, more important than world peace, more important than an instant cure for COVID, a 100% cure for cancer. Uh, what our Savior came to bring was a gift that lasts forever. But now had Jesus spent big bucks on a first century PR campaign company, I seriously doubt that what they would have done is they would have recommended Jesus to enter into Jerusalem on a donkey like he did 
if he was trying to make an impressive entry into Jerusalem. Yet the fact of the matter is, is that any lost sinner and any hurting believer who was waiting for the son of David, as the scripture said, would see Jesus riding in on that donkey and recall the Lord's promises in scripture and then be more than ready to throw off their cloaks, their outer garments on the road ahead of them and throw down those palm branches as well while shouting their hosannas. But there was a reason why Jesus' final steps led to the donkey too. And that was to show us what kind of king Jesus really was. And what kind of king? A, a king with limitless power, yet a humble king, as we saw in our epistle reading for today as Paul told the Philippians about how Jesus humbled himself and how he was exalted. But he had limitless power in that he fulfilled every single one of the scriptures that talked about his work and his mission, fulfilling them all. Whether those prophecies were made thousands or hundreds of years before, Jesus kept every last one. But there's one little detail in Matthew that could maybe be overlooked. I've referred to it before. It's what happened when the disciples brought the donkey to Jesus, when they put their cloaks on that donkey, and then it just simply says, he sat on it. Mark and Luke, they inform us that Jesus sent his disciples in search of a colt on which no one has ever sat. I wouldn't recommend you try that. would recommend you don't try that unless you are prepared for some serious donkey pushback. It takes great patience to train a donkey to be ready to ride. And donkeys, they have a reputation of, of stubbornness either when they're tried to when they are tried to be ridden like this of either just sitting down or refusing to budge an inch no matter how much you would try to get them to move or 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 else maybe they'd end up just kicking the daylights out of the person who's trying to get them to do something well is that why Jesus told the disciples to not only get the colt but also the mother as well would having the colt's mother there along with the colt, the baby donk, the young donkey, would that make it easier for the disciples to handle? Well, less fearful of the crowds and think about the crowds and the excitement that was going on and, and yet Jesus majestically entered into Jerusalem on that donkey that never should have been ridden like that. But see now, if you think about it, that animal, it knew it had met its master and maker. There was no reason for it to be afraid. The donkey maybe knew better, quicker than we do. Sometimes it takes forever for us to 
really get a good grasp on who Jesus is, that he is our maker and master, the kind of king that, that is promised for us in scripture, humble and meek and caring and loving and giving. He's going to always watch over us, always take care of us. There's no reason for us to fear him. You and I, we can trust our eternities into his hands because of his loving care for us. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus' final steps led to a donkey and he sat on it, the crowd then followed the divine script that had been written in eternity for what would happen on that particular day with Jesus' final impressive entry into Jerusalem. The air rang with the shout of the crowds that, oh, maybe the shout of the crowds that day would rival what it's like to be at Lambeau Field when the Green Bay Packers are marching on down to get their game-winning touchdown maybe the praise of the people greater than that on that day. The words of the Palm Sunday chant, they were borrowed from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, which says, O Lord, please save us now. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. When we hear that word, Hosanna, we may think, Oh, that's just like the word Alleluia. But Hosanna isn't just a shout of praise. It's much more than that. Hosanna is a Hebrew cry for help. It means save us now. A fitting cry for us to use today. Hosanna, save us now. That's a cry we'll want to raise as we live in this sin-filled, crazy world that we live in. Save us from cancer and infection, from COVID, from heart disease, from senseless shootings. Save us from all the things that terribly go down, go on in this world. Save the person who's struggling to pay his bills. We make these prayers because when we think of the king who entered into Jerusalem, we know who he is. He's a humble, compassionate, caring, selfless king who loves us and cares for us. His final steps, they led to a donkey to show us the kind of king that he really is, the kind of king who cares, listens, and answers every one of our prayers. Whether, whenever, wherever we offer them, whether it's the prayer of a little child who maybe is praying to God and saying, please make my goldfish bubbles better, or the prayer of the husband who's holding his wife's hand as she struggles to take her final breath and that husband is praying, take her home, Lord, please take her home. Hosanna, save us now. A fitting cry for us to make 
but for a far greater reason than any I've mentioned so far. For this grand entry that Jesus made into Jerusalem that day, it paved the way for Jesus' final steps to the cross, which was his goal. That was his goal. Because saving us was his mission. Saving us is what he did when he bowed his head and died. And when he dragged down into the grave the most deadly infection that this world will ever see, that will ever plague our world. Uh, we could say a cross-generational pandemic with a 100% fatality rate, and that's sin. Your sin, my sin, the sins of the world. Jesus paid for them all. All our sins of thought, we'd word and deed. All our selfishness, our self-centeredness, all our doubts and fears, Jesus paid for them all. He answers our cry, Hosanna, save us now, to show us what kind of king he really is, precisely the kind of king that we need that we need now and always. A king who loves us now, a king who takes care of us now, and a king who will take us to be with him forever in the perfect joys of heaven. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the second article and its meaning. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did that I should be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from death and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. Let's pray. We praise you, O God, for the great acts of love by which you redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. As he was acclaimed by those who scattered their garments and palm branches in his path, so may we always hail him as our King and follow him with perfect obedience. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. Oh, and in our prayers, we keep in our prayers, of course, someone like Paula Burris, who's dealing with that leg infection. Well, we think about all of those people in our congregation troubled by different problems, ills, and well, let's pray. Lord God, please keep us all in your loving care. And if we're dealing with different health issues, if it's according to your will, grant healing. But more importantly, when we say save us now, we're saying save and protect us from the biggest problem of all, that's our sin. And, and when we think about Jesus taking his final steps that led to a donkey, that led to the cross, that led to the grave, led to the empty tomb. We think about how he took care of our real problem and how blessed we are. Again, keep us in your loving care. Protect us always from the temptations of Satan and sin. Help us to live as your believing children and help us always to focus on our Savior and what he's done for us. We gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains, to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements to share with you. In the congregation this week, David and Dawn Kunkel have an anniversary on Tuesday. Must be Kunkel week because then on Thursday, Keith and Ashley Kunkel and also Victor and Jessica Kunkel have their anniversaries as well. Thursday is Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday. And again, we have a communion service at 6.30 that night. We have a soup supper beforehand at about 5.30 p.m. Maybe we'll have some Passover type foods for that. Maybe. For Good Friday, Friday evening, we have our Good Friday Tenebrae service at 6.30 p.m. 
And then, of course, on Sunday, that's Easter Sunday, our regular service schedule, 8 and 10.30, with an Easter brunch from about 9.15 to 10.15, and, and we'll see if we're going to have a little bit of an Easter egg hunt at about 9.45 a.m. Please do look at our prayer list. Remember all of the people in our church family, our extended church family. Keep them in your prayers. The Lord bless and keep you always, and, and well, happy Palm Sunday. God bless.